0: Welcome to the CODcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine, and I'm joined by Representative Jeffrey Roy of Franklin, the House Chair of the Legislature's Telecommunications, Utilities, and Energy Committee. For the sake of our conversation, he's the House's energy guy. Welcome, Representative. Well, thank you. Thank you, Bruce. It's great to be here, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. So in a recent report that you did for the House, you said offshore wind has the potential to be the next high-tech industry in Massachusetts, the next biotech. I wanted to spend a little time talking about the potential of offshore wind and the reality. Where do you think we are today? Well, we're in, we're in great shape. Offshore
1: wind is a large and growing source of energy around the world. And it's really poised for rapid growth uh, throughout the United States. President Biden has uh, put in place a a goal of 30,000 megawatts by 2030. And under the present state of things, Massachusetts can deliver one third of that national goal because we are so well poised uh, to deliver energy. We have 14 miles off the coast of Massachusetts. We have the most robust wind in the entire contiguous United States, and it's something that uh, we need to take advantage of, um, as we are referred to as the Saudi Arabia of wind, and we need to harness that energy and make
0: it work for uh, everybody in Massachusetts. And you had the... um... You were at a conference last week uh, uh, talking about a a major offshore wind conference here in Boston. Any takeaways from that that you got uh, feeling about the state of the industry and and what's coming? Well, no pun intended, but there was a lot of energy in the room uh,
1: and uh, a lot of excitement. And I think one of the uh, key pieces uh, that was introduced at the conference was uh, an updated report which indicated that the offshore uh, wind industry has the potential to bring back 109 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars in economic uh, um, material for uh, our area in the United States. And it really signals that it's an industry that is ripe for uh, harnessing. And uh, we're trying to uh, position Massachusetts to take advantage of that and really reap the economic benefits of, a, of an offshore wind industry. It's exciting because it's a brand new industry. And I harken back to what we did uh, with uh, the biotech industry in Massachusetts. We really uh, honed in on it with laser-like uh, uh, intensity and built a really strong biotech industry in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And there's no reason we can't do the
0: same thing Uh, for wind. So uh, the governor at that conference uh, made uh, what I think he considered a major announcement, uh, calling for a large amount of federal funding that we have sort of sitting on the table and using it to invest in offshore wind. And he also talked about more arcane stuff, but very important policymaking. He wanted to lift the so-called price cap on procurements, which requires each procurement to come in at a slightly lower price. Now, you and your colleagues in the House are also have been talking about a package a legislation. Bring us up to date on what you're thinking right now and how that dovetails or doesn't with what the governor proposed.
1: Well, you, you may recall that uh, several weeks ago, uh, the speaker went out, uh, we went on a trip uh, with about uh, 40 of our House colleagues out to Block Island to uh, get a, an up close uh, look at the turbines uh, off of uh, the coast of Rhode Island, and during that trip, uh, you know, he made uh, some significant announcements himself about things that the uh, House was going to be looking at to really bolster uh, the offshore wind industry here. And uh, I, one of the top things he talked about was looking at eliminating the price cap and 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 trying to uh, you know, uh, decrease the emphasis on price and really focus in on what economic benefits could be a part of an offshore wind package from uh, future uh, bidders. Um, and you know, we needed to increase the weight of economic development impacts in future proposals. We certainly talked about that. Uh, we talked about uh, an offshore wind investment fund trying to emulate what we did for the life sciences we talked about port infrastructure improvements enhancing in co- the uh, coordination role and funding for mass cec and uh, also talked about you know uh, an innovation and entrepreneur center uh, entrepreneurship center uh, in massachusetts so that we really could uh, develop a, a robust cluster and be the go-to place for offshore wind. So those announcements came and uh, he tasked me with uh, putting together a bill uh, that would include those elements. Uh, We're working on it right now. And uh, so we know that the speaker is committed to it. We know that uh, what he wants to do. So uh, I was actually, uh, you know, um, it was nice to see that the governor is, uh, is on board uh, and uh, did his own bill. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a good close look at that. But uh, it mirrors many of the things that uh, we have uh, talked about already. And uh, it's nice to know that at least uh, two of the branches of our government are in place to, uh, to uh, move the offshore wind uh, bill and uh, bolster that industry. So um, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, getting it
0: onto the House floor. So a couple things about those issues. Um, One is uh, the governor was proposing a large amount of the money in the federal aid. Is that probably where the house would go as well in terms of trying to fund a long-term or investment in in offshore wind?
1: Uh, I would assume that uh, we will take a look at using ARPA funds for some of the pieces um, but I, I wouldn't say it's it's entirely because this is a, a long-term um you know effort and we're going to have to uh you know put a stream in place that you know could go out potentially 10 years. The opera funds have a, a smaller uh time period within which to uh to use those funds.
0: So um, you know, I'm sure it'll be a part of it though. And then on the bringing economic development more into the deliberations about contracting for offshore wind. um, I just want to explore with you a little bit of the trade-offs of that. If I understand it correctly, a lot of other states, and in fact the companies that have bid in Massachusetts in the past, have sort of said, hey we'll give you a a really our, our lowest price we can give, or we might increase the price somewhat, but perhaps invest in some sort of manufacturing facility onshore. Um, so is the sort of the trade-off is you might accept a, a bit of a higher price for the power, but you'll get a, a, an investment in the future and jobs that'll be, hopefully be there for the long run. Is is that a fair trade-off about what's being deliberated here? Yeah, I
1: think that's uh, certainly a fair trade-off. Uh, the economic development. Uh, think of what uh, a manufacturing facility could do to a community uh, where it's located you know think about places uh, like New Bedford uh, places like uh, Brayton Point, Salem bringing in a facility that's going to create jobs and good paying jobs and long-term jobs uh, is something that will, in the end of the day, probably bring in more revenue for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts uh, than the cost of a, of a slightly higher price. Now, keep in mind, we're not talking about uh, incredible increments on the on the price. It has to be a competitive price for Massachusetts to uh, accept the bid. And and if a, a price comes in that's egregious, uh, you know, there's no uh, no reason that the Commonwealth uh, can't reject it, but economic activity is something that we've seen going to other states. New York has benefited tremendously on economic development. New Jersey has benefited tremendously. We want to see some of that economic development right here in Massachusetts. We have great innovators. We have a skilled workforce, and there's no reason we can't have that. Uh, you know that type of economic development
0: playing a part in our entire industry for offshore wind. So the people on maybe the other side of that argument would say, yeah, if the price goes up a little bit, it." I mean, you're saying if the price is a little bit higher, the trade off is, is well worth it. The other side might say, yeah, but we already have some of the highest prices in the country. And our goal is to get everything on electricity, transportation, housing, heating and cooling. and and you name it, and so is, is that the end goal? Climate change, dealing with climate change, or is the end goal getting a a you know a plant or two located here in Massachusetts? Well,
1: certainly the end goal is climate, you know, uh, fighting climate change and getting clean energy.
0: We need uh, to
1: be on uh, you know uh, by 2050 uh, net zero, and uh, that's going to take a lot of energy. I mean, if you go to ISO. I have the ISO app on my phone. I, I bring it up every single day. And, uh, you know, natural gas is providing, you know, 65 to 80% of the energy in Massachusetts at any given time. And you, you can turn it on at, at, at any moment. So it's going to take a lot of other sources of energy uh, to get us off of that, uh, that fossil fuel. So, uh, Certainly, the end game is uh, climate change, but price is important. I mean, I hear from manufacturers. One of my other roles in the legislature is the house chair of the manufacturing caucus and uh, constantly hearing about the high cost of energy in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So we have to be cognizant of that. But keep in mind, when we put the price cap in place, there were uh, estimates that uh, You know, wind was going to be in the 25 cent range, uh, and the bids that have come in in Massachusetts are in the five and six cent range. So it was brilliant to put that price cap in at the beginning of this journey, and it worked. We drove the prices down, but now, you know, if you if you're in that five and six cent range, uh, a, a potential bidder is going to know that they can't go much higher than that in order to entice Massachusetts to collect the bid. But if for, uh, you know, for a little bit of a price increase, if we can get some economic development at the same time we're saving the planet, that's a win-win
0: for everybody. You mentioned uh, it's great to see two of the three branches sort of embracing these ideas. Uh, you left out that there's a third branch, obviously, uh, the Senate. And I don't have any sense of, the Senate as a whole, to be honest with you, but your counterpart on your committee, uh, Senator Michael Barrett, has expressed some concerns about lifting the cap, and and maybe he's reflecting that point of view about uh, you know not raising the price of electricity too much. Do you get a sense that there is a consensus building on Beacon Hill about this? Because uh, I do see you at that conference last week. There was. You're right. A lot of energy in the room, a lot of, you know, businesses, booming mentality type people talk, walking through the halls there. Uh, Do you get the sense that there's a consensus building on Beacon Hill to to do something? I
1: I certainly feel it. And Senator Barrett is one of the brightest people I know. He's a great partner in this effort. And uh, we haven't had detailed conversations on this, but, uh, you know, I've seen his his comments and he likes Uh, portions of what the governor proposed Uh, and I get his concerns with the price cap and we're going to continue to have conversations on that because this is not going to work unless we uh, build consensus. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to having those discussions with him because I I enjoy working
0: with him, frankly. And do you have any sense? uh, I must admit when the governor made his announcement, uh, He's been a huge believer in low prices and sort of just always beaming about the low prices that the state has gotten. And that's not to say he, he wouldn't say if he was here with us that he would he wouldn't say uh, now the times have changed. I think that's what he's ar- he was arguing last week. But I guess you have any sense of what changed his mind? As, have you gotten any sense of why that why the change of attitude on his part? I'm sure he's heard from a lot of folks uh, that,
1: you know, at 5.8 cents, a price cap is not attractive for uh, bidders. And, you know, if you really want to work and get economic development, you got to relook at that. And I know he's heard it from uh, from the, the House and the Speaker and, and folks uh, from, you know, uh, industry who have, uh, raised this cause I've heard it repeatedly over the years. And, uh, you know, I've talked to, uh, secretary Thea Harides and she gets it and she, uh, you know, is, uh, is, you know, an- another one who's very bright and very well versed in this, uh, in this area. And I think, uh, you know, looking at it, uh, the governor has probably, uh, you know, looked at it the way I did, you know, it was brilliant to have the price cap at the beginning. It worked. Let's, uh, let's try something new to stimulate the economic uh, development pieces uh, of the wind industry. And, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity uh, to build a new industry. So it takes some real innovative thinking. And I I think that's uh, really what's uh, behind uh, all of these uh, conversations.
0: In the, the procurement that is going on right now, two companies uh, of the four that could potentially bid in, on the Massachusetts lease area properties, uh, two bid in this recent round. And um, you mentioned that, that uh, trip out to see the wind turbines with the speaker and a number of your colleagues, that the fact that there were only two was raised, I believe, as, as a concern and, and you want more. Um, but I, in my talking with these companies, some of the ones that haven't really jumped in yet, um, they've been pressing, I, I know they've been on Beacon Hill pressing to lift the price cap and, and get access to it, but not all of the companies seem to feel the same way. They, they sort of, some of them, I talking to them privately, they sort of talk about, well, I think we can keep lowering the price and do something on the economic development front. Um I'm just sort of curious. I know they probably approached you. Have they all been unanimous in saying, lift the cap, let us let us loose?
1: You know, they, I wouldn't say they all have, but it's certainly a theme that has gone through the conversations that I've had on the topic. And look, it, if they want to come in with a lower price and economic development, believe me, we're gung-ho for that. Uh, but if they need some wiggle room, uh, with uh, with the price cap to put in economic development, uh, you know, I think we can be somewhat flexible. Uh, but it's it's important that future projects come in with economic development. I was encouraged with what I saw from some uh, some of the uh, the two bids that came in. They even with the price cap, they have some economic development pieces in there. Uh, but truthfully, I think we can do a bit better. I, uh, I look at New York, I look at New Jersey, and I want to see that here in Massachusetts.
0: So, last question is just a little bit, a, a, t- a bit of a tangent. Uh, I'm an old geezer covering this stuff uh, up at the State House, and uh, I was around when Cape Wynn was trying to make a go-, go of it and never quite got over the, the hurdles that were constantly put put in front of it. And one of those hurdles was l- continuous lawsuits being filed against the, the company trying to block it at various stages. And it just sort of choked choked the effort at one point. So I've been, I've been I don't know if it's me, just deja vu and maybe a little bit of a downer on this stuff, but uh, there's been a couple, two or three lawsuits filed against the Vineyard Wind project now. Usually on good, you know, Uh, environmental issues you know are we protecting right whales are we protecting fishing all that sort of stuff how you're gung-ho about this the house is gung-ho are you nervous about these lawsuits that they could put a put a hold on things delay things what's your feeling about that at this point you know
1: um you know people are raising some uh legitimate concerns uh, I would say it's uh, on the environmental and fisheries mitigation issues, is largely uh, what the litigation is all about. Um, but uh, I think the companies have been responsible. We're uh, encouraging them to truly take into account, uh, you know, fisheries mitigation and environmental issues that are, are raised in these lawsuits. I'm not concerned that uh, it will. Uh, further impede the projects. I think we're far enough along uh, that I'm confident that they will move. But certainly, it, it's out there, um, and you know we have to we have to deal with it. Actually, the companies have to deal with it. They're, they're, they're the ones who are the defendants, and they're on the other side of the V. But uh, you know, this gives us an opportunity to really um, you know look at our whole grid and transmission planning and do some great things to uh, provide energy. If, if we go through with the 5,600 megawatts that are already authorized, we'll have enough power to power every home and business in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and we'll have excess energy that we can either put in storage or sell to other uh, states. So I think we're in a good position. I'm confident, uh, I'm excited, And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, this industry truly develop here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And I don't wanna ignore or belittle any uh, lawsuit that's out there. People have a right to access to the courts and uh, seek justice. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that they will get justice in the end and we will have a robust wind industry in Massachusetts.
0: Representative Roy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, Nice to talk with you and look forward to seeing you again and talking more in the future as this uh, whole thing rolls
0: out. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next week. Thank you.